0: There was nobody last week who thought that it would be really, really funny to come up to me and say, take up your chair and walk. (laughs) That would have been a tired joke and also just terrible exegesis. So thank you for that. And then thank you for your patience. This is not um, optimal, uh, but... uh, Things are improving uh, incrementally, and I'm more mobile, and hopefully soon um, I'll be able to take up my chair and walk. So uh, we'll trust the Lord's uh, wisdom in all this. So we want to look this morning as we prepare our hearts for the celebration of the table, Matthew 27, uh, 24 to 26. Let me read that, and then we'll consider it together. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released them uh, for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Well, there was a little girl. Her name was uh, Brigitte. And she, uh, she found near her house a patch of strawberries she thought was fabulous. And so she came running uh, to her mother and uh, told her mother that uh, she's found all these strawberries and uh, hurry back with me uh, and I'll show you where it is And the mother and the child hurried to where that little strawberry patch was. And uh, the child says, can I eat them? And the mother said, no, not yet. She said, they must be thoroughly washed. And the child said, well, now, why do they have to be washed? Uh, Back in Bavaria, when we found strawberries, uh, we just ate them. Uh, What's wrong with these strawberries here in Poland. And the mother said, uh, well, look at the dust. Look at the dirt. You can see even when you pick them up, your hands are dirty from the dust and the dirt that's on the strawberries. These have to be thoroughly washed first before you eat them. You see, uh, Brigitte, uh, she was the daughter of Rudolf Huss. And Rudolf Huss was commandant of Auschwitz. And the strawberries were dirty because uh, they grew near the crematoria that were close by. And washing the strawberries doesn't take away the sin. And Pilate, washing his hands, That doesn't remove his sin. That doesn't make him innocent. As part of the mock trial, which would result in the unjust condemnation and the murder of Jesus, our Lord appeared before the most powerful man in the land, the governor, Pontius Pilate. And uh, the Lord appeared in the praetorium, which was uh, the residence of the governor. And in a particular area of the praetorium, which was called uh, the stone pavement, and there's a part of the stone pavement which was called the judgment seat. And the ruins of the praetorium and the stone pavement and the judgment seat are still there to this day. But it's that moment... It's that incident. It's that declaration that echoes down the centuries. I wash my hands of this man. That's what we remember. And that's what we consider this morning. And as we think about this remarkable scene, I want to point out three things to you. And the first is the abominable wickedness of men. The second is the... Imagined neutrality of Pilate. And then lastly, the matchless wonder of forgiveness. So we'll think then, first of all, about the abominable wickedness of men. But before we think about the wickedness of men, we need to think about Jesus. And it's in order to see the abominable wickedness of men that we need to think of Jesus first because it is against the backdrop of the splendor and the wonder of who he is that we see the absolutely astonishing nature of human wickedness. So think about Jesus. Think about, for instance, the unfathomable person of Jesus. Men bowed at his cradle. Men bowed and worshipped at the manger and they humbled themselves before a baby that's who Jesus is he's the god man and much later when he died a roman centurion watched him die and said surely this man was the son of god and there you have that extraordinary juxtaposition of divinity and humanity that he is both god and man he dies But he cannot die. He's born, but he had no beginning. It's the phenomenal person, the unfathomable person of Jesus. And then think about the infinite condescension of Jesus. Condescension means when the great man gets down on bended knee and plays with a little child. That's condescension. In this case, hands that flung stars into space could barely grasp his mother's hand. And the Son, who was worshipped by countless angels, lay in a stone manger. The the manger was made of stone. It wasn't some finely crafted piece of art, some manger made out of finely crafted wood. No, this was a a rough-hewn stone manger that animals had fed from, and the baby Jesus lay there. This is the infinite infinite condescension of Jesus coming down from glory to the grime and filth of this world. Think about the the benevolence of Jesus, the benevolent life of Jesus, and the fact that Acts 10.38 says, he went about doing good and healing those who were oppressed by the devil. That characterized his life. I mean, what characterizes your life? What banner would they place over your life? This is what his life, this is what her life was about. Or this is what they say about Jesus. He went about doing good and healing those who were oppressed. Think about the unique teaching of Jesus. He is our prophet come into this world. He is the one who teaches and the people listen to his teaching and they're amazed at his teaching. And he says, he teaches as one who has authority and not as one of our scribes. And we read about that in Mark chapter 1. Think about the miraculous ministry of Jesus. In answer to John the Baptist's question, John sends a messenger to Jesus and says, now, are you the one... Or should we seek another? And Jesus says to, his, to the disciples, go back and say to John, this is what we see and hear. We see the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Go and tell John that you see miracles, the kind of miracles that the Scripture said Messiah would do. And Jesus did them. And his life then was marked by the miraculous, the miraculous ministry of Jesus. Then think about about the extraordinary gifts of Jesus. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is given to you. You're a Christian. These blessings are showered upon you. Jesus forgives, Jesus shows us the Father. You want to know God. Jesus shows you the Father. He allows us to call God Abba Father. He brings us near to God. We were afar off, we were in a far country. He brings us near to God. He gives us purpose, He gives us a reason for living. He blesses us with His presence, He empowers us with His arm. He sweetens our days with his fellowship, and he brightens our darkness with his smile. He gives us peace. He gives us a calm spirit when storms abound. He gives us heaven, and he will bring us to heaven when our time here is done. This Jesus And listen to how they treat him. Hear what they say about him. And we read in this passage in verse 21. The governor said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? And they said, Give us the wicked man. Give us Barabbas. Give us the criminal. Give us the insurrectionist. We'll choose him over this Jesus. Pilate said to them, what shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? And they say, let him be crucified. Take this man, this Jesus of whom we've just spoken, and let him be put to death in the cruelest way imaginable. And that's what they do with Jesus. They cry out. They call upon the authorities To kill him And as Paul would later say They crucified the Lord of glory Two lessons First What wickedness It's stunning isn't it What wickedness If this is who Jesus is I mean if this was just some ordinary Innocent man Wicked deed But this is Jesus. How dark and depraved is the human heart that when God Almighty comes amongst them, they put him to death. And my friend, never, never imagine that you would do anything different. Never imagine that you're above this. Never imagine that if you were there, you would raise your hand in defense of him and you would raise your voice to speak for him. You would run with the crowd, you would call out the same call, and you would drive the nails into his hands. Paul says, There is no fear of God in your eyes. That's what you and I are by nature. That's what we were like. What wickedness. Second lesson. What grace. What grace. The fact that now you imagine that you could never have added your voice to them. The fact that what I have just said before is jarring to you. And part of you wants to say, no, no, I think you're wrong. You see, that is testimony of what God has done in your life, of the change He has wrought. And the fact that you think, I could never have done that. That's testimony to the fact that you are a new creature in Christ and God has done, done something spectacular in you and you are not what you were. And you're not living and loving the darkness. You're a new creature in Christ. What grace. And our response to that is sola Deo Gloria. So the, just this unimaginable wickedness of men. But secondly, we need to move on. Let's think about the, the imagined neutrality of Pilate. You see, Pontius Pilate imagines that he can be neutral. Uh, But it's a dream. It's It's a fantasy. You are either for him or against him. It's the same for you this morning. You can't be neutral when it comes to Jesus. Maybe you say, well, you know, I don't persecute Christians, but I'm not one of them. I don't persecute Christians, but I just don't agree with them. I'm just in the middle. I just keep my peace. I just walk down the middle of the road. The Bible says you are either his friend or his enemy. There's no neutrality when it comes to Jesus. No middle ground when it comes to the Lord. You see... (coughs) Pilate doesn't want to deal with Jesus. He wants to try and pawn him off on Herod. He tries that. doesn't work. He tries to punish Jesus, and hopefully that will satisfy the Jews, but that doesn't satisfy them at all. He tries to find some loophole so that he can release Jesus in some kind of prisoner exchange, but, but that doesn't work either. And so he says, well... He says, I'm done. He says, I'm finished with all of this. I'm going to distance myself from this. He says, this is not my problem. You can say that about a lot of stuff. Not my problem. I have a t-shirt that says, not my problem. You can say that with stuff. But you can't say that with Jesus. You have to deal with him. He's not going away. And maybe you're finding that you can't run away from him. Everywhere you turn, you find Christians. And every road you walk down, there's some kind of biblical text, some kind of word from God, some kind of manifestation of the divine that says that Jesus is here, and you have to deal with him. There's no neutral ground for Pilate. He says, I'm going to wash my hands of the whole thing all done, case closed, but no that's not going to happen there's no neutral ground so two lessons well the first is that well there's no neutral no neutrality for Pilate now not long after this incident Pilate would do something again that offended Rome, it's Rome that had put him in place as governor in in this area, but uh, he was a troublesome man, he was a violent man, he was a man who offended people easily, and he was often in trouble with Rome, and not long after this, he got in trouble with them again, and Rome recalled him, and then on his way to Rome, he disappeared, and we don't know what happened, he was never heard from again. The rumor is that, that he committed suicide somewhere. Don't know, really. We don't know where he is. But we know this that if he never changed, and if he never repented, and if he never believed in this Jesus, he's in hell. You see, he crucified Jesus. He can say, Well, I've washed my hands and I'm innocent, but he's not. He's guilty. He delivered Jesus to be crucified, the text says. The Apostles' Creed is not an inspired document, but it rightly says about Jesus that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. And if Jesus suffers under your hands, you'll be judged. And so he was judged. And he would pay the price for all his sins. He would pay the price for this most foul of sins. And then think about the people. All the people said, we want him crucified. And go ahead, let his blood be on us and upon our children. And they were guilty too. And Pilate would pay the price. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, the Lord Jesus, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on his account. And sinners on that day will wail. Then it's no laughing matter. Then they can't just laugh Jesus away. Then they will wail. And Pilate will wail. And perhaps you will hear him wail. And these people will see the one whom they have pierced. And if they've never believed in Christ, they will wail as well. You see... There's no neutrality for Pilate. There's no neutrality for you. You can't dismiss Jesus. You can't refuse him. You can't reject him. You can't walk away from him and feel that all is well. No, you'll be judged. No neutral ground here for him or against him. Friend or foe. Where do you stand today? You are either friend or foe. You must be honest. The second thing is, there's no innocence for Pilate. There's no innocence. He says, look, I've washed my hands, I'm on neutral ground, and I'm innocent. You're not innocent. I've washed my hands. That's delusional. That's not the way to deal with sin. Wash your hands of it. I'm done with it. I'm okay, you're okay. Can you imagine there was a book someone wrote years ago writing, the title was, I'm okay, you're okay. If there's anything that's true of humanity, we're not okay. No, you're not okay. And washing your hands of it doesn't make you innocent. It's as delusional as what Hindus do. You know, what the Hindus do is there's a place called, a town called Varanasi and, uh, in India where people go. And Hindus go, by the thousands, every year they go. And they go to drink the filthy water of the Ganges. Ganges. And they go and wash themselves in the filthy water of the Ganges. And you go on YouTube if you have never heard of this or watched this. Go on YouTube and, and, uh, and Google uh, Varanasi and Google Ganges and cleansing and cleansing from sin and see people throwing this filth all over them. Imagining that doing that is going to cleanse them of their sins and forgive them of all their iniquity and get them to whatever heaven they've imagined. It's absolutely useless in the same way. Washing His hands, it was useless in the same way. Saying the rosary ten times is useless. Making pilgrimages is useless. Going to Mecca is useless. Visiting St. Peter's Cathedral is useless. Having the Pope say Mass over you is useless. Doing every good deed imaginable is useless. It's only in the shedding of blood that there, there is remission of sins. Only covered by the righteousness of Jesus is their forgiveness. Only in the safe haven that is Christ is their salvation. Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness, but you need a perfect sacrifice. You need a spotless lamb. You need one who can bear the hell that we deserve, who can become propitiation for a multitude that no man can number, you need that unfathomable person of Jesus who is both God and man. That's what is needed. And extraordinarily, in the very act of sending Him to the cross, Pilate and these wicked people sending Him to the cross in the mysterious counsels of God, that very deed led to The necessary sacrifice and the cross showcases the depth of human wickedness and the height of divine love because that's where the spotless Lamb of God died so that people like you and I might be forgiven. There's no innocence for Pilate. There's no forgiveness in the washing of your hands, or the washing in the Ganges, or a plethora of good deeds? No, there's only forgiveness in Jesus. And that brings us to the last point, and that's the matchless wonder of forgiveness. Because Hindus, you see, Hindus wash in the Ganges. it does nothing. Pilate washes his hands. It doesn't cleanse his soul. People say, I don't believe this. Maybe you're saying that. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, Lee's blathering on, I don't even, I don't even believe this nonsense. doesn't change a thing that you say that. It doesn't change a thing It doesn't change your guilt. It doesn't remove your sin. It doesn't get rid of God. It doesn't exempt you from that that destiny, that moment when you will stand before God and have to give an answer for your life and have to give a defense for your sin. You can deny it all you want. The truth stands firm And God is still on his throne, and the judge still awaits your appearance at the judgment seat. Religious people, you know, they do good deeds. Maybe that's, maybe you're pinning your hopes on that. I'm just going to do, oh, you know, a boatload of good things and. I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that the boatload of good things outweighs a smaller boatload of bad things. Are you're pinning your hopes on nothing? No. The psalmist says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, that is, Lord, if you hold me accountable for my sins, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? There's no hope for you. You see. But 1 John 1 7 says that it's through the blood of Christ that we are cleansed from our sins. It's the one, that's the one way. It's the one way in all the universe. That's the one safe place in all the world for you. That's in Jesus. Pilate wanted to be innocent of the blood of Jesus, but he was guilty. These people, they didn't care whether they were innocent of the blood of Jesus. They said, No, bring it on. Let his blood be upon us. They didn't care. And they're guilty. You've sinned against God all your life in every way imaginable. You've sinned and you're guilty. But there is the wonder, the the matchless wonder of forgiveness. Let me tell you about that. The wonder of the gospel is that even for them there's forgiveness. That's the wonder of, of this forgiveness. It's even for people like them. The vilest offender who truly believes That moment from Jesus, a pardon received. On the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was praying for people like this. You read this passage again, and they call out for his death. And they say, oh, let his blood be upon us. And you think to yourself, how vile, how depraved. And Jesus said, oh, Father, forgive them, even them. And later on, Peter would say these things in the book of Acts. He would address himself to, the, to these people. And he would say, Jesus, whom you delivered over, And denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied him, the holy and righteous one. And asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life. I mean, you did this. You did this. You did it. and you have sinned and you've lived your life without God and you've spurned his goodness and you've rejected his son to this day you have done this and to these very people Peter would say in verse 19 of Acts 13 repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out you see the the matchless wonder of this forgiveness is that it's even for them. Even, even Pilate. Even people like that. Even these people who called for the crucifixion of the Christ. It's even for you. It's even for you. I don't care what you've done. And you sit here, and if all your sins were displayed on the screen in front, you'd run screaming from this building. But even you, there's forgiveness. There's been forgiveness, even for me. And even for most of the people here, they're forgiven of all their sins. So the wonder of this forgiveness is that it's even for them. And then the wonder of this forgiveness is that it came through the finished work of Jesus. The wicked deed that they planned and executed. If they never repent, they'll be eternally judged for it. But at the same time, it's the glorious and gracious plan of God that sends Jesus to the cross. And you know... The book of Isaiah tells us what happened on the cross. It tells us that on the cross, Jesus was despised. He was rejected. He was stricken. He was smitten. He was afflicted. He was pierced. He was crushed. He was chastised. He was oppressed. That's what happened to him. That's what he was being sent to. And for what purpose? Well, Isaiah says, it was for our transgressions. It was for our iniquity. Pilate delivered Jesus to be crucified, and he was guilty. God delivered Jesus to be crucified. He was gracious. Because nothing else would suffice to forgive you. For you to be forgiven today, as so many of us are. For you to be not guilty, as so many of us are. For you to know that today, if you die, you go straight to heaven. Nothing less would do. Than for Jesus to go to the cross, pay the price for your salvation, for your forgiveness. So, yes, God delivered Jesus to be crucified because he loved you. Ah, because he was gracious to you. Nothing else would help. Shakespeare understood this to some degree. You know, you perhaps you've read or heard or watched Macbeth. And you know that Macbeth, Lady Macbeth as well, that they, they kill um, a king named Duncan and, and, uh, and she can't deal with it. It's like Raskalnikov in Crime and Punishment. She can't deal with the guilt and she imagines that the blood of this king is on her hands. She can't get rid of it and she dreams about this and she has nightmares about this and she, she, she sees in her in her dream, she sees spots of blood on her own hands and she can't get rid of it. She's washing her hands, just like Pilate. She's washing her hands and she can't get rid of it. And she says, oh, all the perfumes of Arabia will not sweeten this little hand. There's nothing I can do in this world to get rid of my sin and to find forgiveness. It's only in Jesus. And you, Christian, you've been drawn With the irresistible power of God into fellowship with Jesus, and his blood has covered you, and his righteousness has clothed you, and you're forgiven. There's not a charge against you. Nobody can lay any charge against you. You're free, you're justified. And you're positively righteous in the sight of God. That's absolutely astounding. And makes you want to stand up and praise the Lord. Right. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So are you clean? Are you clean? Are you clean today? See, if you are. Great. That's just great. Then words kind of words just fail you, don't they? You don't know how to express it. You don't know what to say. You're speechless. So if you're clean Your hands really are clean Well oh, thank God But let me also ask you this Do you want to be clean? You see because you walked in here today You're not a Christian are you? You want to be clean because you know God's been working God's been dealing with you hasn't he? He's been speaking to you in a variety of different ways. And you want to be clean. You have begun to feel your sin. You've begun to feel the weight of it. It's been crushing you. The burden of your sin has just been weighing on you. And it's been a crushing load to bear. And you want to be free of it. You know you're responsible for it, but you want to be forgiven for it. You come to Jesus today, you'll be forgiven. You plunge deep into the fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and you'll be forgiven. Sinners plunge beneath that flood. Oh, they lose all their guilty stains and you'll stand up and you'll say before God and before the world I have been forgiven of all my sins through Jesus covered by his blood clothed in his righteousness and now I am destined for glory and I'll be forever with the Lord. Trust in the Lord Jesus. You'll be able to say that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. and we thank you for your son. We thank you for his forgiving grace, his saving work, his infinite love, his matchless wisdom. And we pray that each and everyone in this room and everyone listening and watching, if they have not already tasted of this grace and been covered by this blood, will today find life and forgiveness in Jesus. And for those of us who already are covered, who are already free, oh, we would sing the praises of the Christ.